Hello and welcome to Trash and Treasury. I'm Grace and I'm here with my co-host Miranda. We are so excited to bring you our first ever episode. So a little bit about us. We've been friends for over 10 years now and we used to do everything together from brunch to exercise to drinking, all up until I decided about three years ago to move to Bendigo. So everything was just shit after that. (laughs) Bendigo's lovely. I mean, Bendigo's great. Don't get us wrong. We love rural and regional Victoria. It's one of our segments. Absolutely. Um, But for our friendship, uh, we had to get modern. And so lo and behold, a global pandemic and the rise of Zoom conferencing has brought us closer together. (laughs) So basically, we realized a lifelong ambition we didn't even know we had, producing a podcast. We have found our life's purpose, what we were put on this earth to do. (laughs) Hopefully our listeners will agree. So a little bit about our podcast. Uh, Each week, we'll be bringing you one serious topic and one lighthearted topic that'll form the basis for our trash and our treasury segments, plus a few additional bonus segments. All right, let's get into it. Episode one. So our first episode, Treasury, is going to cover vaccines, which is a bit topical at the moment. So we're going to discuss some interesting breakthroughs, and we're also going to bust some myths. Awesome. And for our trash this week, we will be discussing the one and only Netflix documentary, Tiger King. Now, a disclaimer for anyone who might not have heard about this documentary, where the hell have you been? But there will be spoilers ahead. So just a warning, if you haven't seen Tiger King, get onto it and then get back to us. I actually have a lot of admiration for anyone who's managed not to watch Tiger King because they do not crumble to peer pressure. Like That's actually true. Like that is an an admirable quality, especially in quarantine. Like how have they avoided it in quarantine? To avoid the memes, to avoid the constant conversation about it in every article uh, I've read recently. It's all about Tiger King. You do have a certain type of news sources you go to, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm certainly not reading, like... um, The Economist. The Economist, yeah. I couldn't even think of an example. That's how much I don't read this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Should we begin? Let's begin. All right. Right, so uh, the invention of the vaccine. Uh, Once upon a time in 1796, (laughs) a man named Edward Jenner uh, injected material from a cowpox virus into an (laughs) eight-year-old. I learned all of this from, I was finding it very hard to understand, and so I learned it all from a TED ED YouTube video. I don't know if it was made for children, but either way, it was palatable. (laughs) So the vast majority of what I'm about to say is all from that one video. So basically it said in the video, he had a hunch that it would work. (laughs) So um, to protect. Was it his own kid or was it a realistic kid? Because I feel like who's just going to hand over their eight-year-old and let them inject smallpox based on a (laughs) hunch? My face was agape when they're like, he had a hunch it would work and he injected an eight-year-old. I was like, really? Like, but I'm it's sure like that there every was... medical breakthrough. It's like, who did the first craniotomy? How were they like, let's just like hack yeah. open your brain? Like, True. 
I don't know. And how many of these things kid. didn't work? It was seventeen ninety six. Pretty sure they didn't have like ethics back then. <laughs> so who knows? Totally. I don't like, he had a hunch it would work to protect the greater population from the related smallpox virus, and lo and behold, it worked. And it was the first ever vaccine. And they realized that this was a way that they could actually uh, formulate uh, a response to these viruses. There's lots of different types. Um, I won't go into it because it's boring. Um, <laughs> and it's sciencey, and there's lots of big words. And I'm not going to pretend that I know any about what that means. Um, but essentially, they use inactive and finely tuned parts of the disease to trigger the immune response. And ta-da, you've got a vaccine. And uh, if anyone would like to have a more comprehensive understanding of that, I watched it on YouTube. It's called TED ED on vaccines. Very fascinating. And look, I'm a big fan of TED Talks too. Very engaging. Actually, one of my bucket list things is to give a TED Talk, but I have nothing to give a TED Talk about yet. So I just need to um, become an expert or interesting. Yes, I can make a podcast. Obviously, trash and treasury could give, could give a TED Talk on that. Um, yeah, but give it, a TED Talk needs to be 10 minutes, has to follow like an emotional art. But you know who you could actually do a TED Talk on is Taylor Swift. Like, you know more about Taylor Swift That's than... That's actually so true. And I've got a lot of feelings and opinions. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Miss Americana was so vindicating because I've had so many... This is the documentary about Taylor Swift, if you haven't seen it. And again, what are you doing? Yeah. But yeah, that was very vindicating because that stuff I've been saying all along. Yeah. But I also just feel like Taylor Swift is like... A good way to talk about a lot of issues in society like feminism and sexism and she's got all these like awesome examples of being awesome and she still gets treated like she's really stupid yeah, yeah. she's actually so cool and so smart yeah I'm with you there I'm a huge T-Swift fan she's awesome she's awesome but T-Swift is not the episode of today's podcast so that we, it's a pretty long segue <laughs> So the next thing we're going to discuss is a deep dive on the HPV vaccine. So this was invented in Australia and is a bit of a pioneering Australian achievement. I so did not know that. Didn't you? There you go. We're no. learning stuff already on the podcast. Oh, my God. So researchers Ian Fraser and Jiang Zhou at the University of Queensland started developing it in the late 90s. It was approved in 2006 and it began rolling out in the National Immunisation Program in 2007. So do you remember this? Like getting we the infection? Yes, We were I the do. first people that got it. We were like the... I do remember um, that. And we, we were, were like the experimental, experimental cattle. We're that eight-year-old. We're the eight-year-old. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because... <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't think so because we have ethics committees now and if anything was rolling out in the National Immunisation <laughs> Program, it's like obviously being like seriously tested. <laughs> but I remember at the time a lot of our close friends from school didn't get it and only 70% of people got it um, and that's yeah. actually still the figure now. It's still at 70%. But I remember back then like quite a few of our friends were saying like, it's not, I don't want to be the first, like we're the first humans to get it. Yes. So it's interesting, like, and I remember thinking at the time, like, well, risky not to get it. Like you want to be the first person that could have gotten it and you didn't, you know? Yeah. 
Like, totally. isn't that a bigger risk? But what's good is that with vaccines, there's herd immunity. So because 70% of people got it, that's enough to protect the whole population and just reduce reduce the risk of it spreading. So one good thing about the vaccine, as well as other improvements in technology, is that we've moved to the cervical smear test now every five years and starting from a later age rather than the pap smear test. And I wanted to ask you if you know why it's called a pap smear. Ah, uh, because they smear it on a glass dish? Well, the smear, you're correct with smear, you are. <laughs> pap zero idea, zero. So it is named after Dr. George Papanicolo, who scraped his wife, Mary Papanicolo's cervix, <laughs> God. and looked at it under a microscope. She's the eight-year-old. But he did this every day for 21 years. He scraped her vagina every day for 21 years. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. George Papanicolo. Yeah. I guess why the hell would you let someone scrape your vagina every day? What the hell? I like to think. True. And that's why I like to think it's named but good after on her, her. Not I, him. Yeah. I guess like also Papa Nicolo smear doesn't quite roll off the tongue. So Pap smear is definitely no. an apt abbreviation. But book. also Pap smear is so gross. It's like moist. It's like, it's yeah. like not a real word, but it's still gross. It's or a gross word. With it? Yeah. I think smear is a bad word. I think, I think we would so all true. agree. That's why it's really good they've rebranded as cervical screening. And I really encourage (laughs) all of our listeners to make sure you keep up to date with your cervical screening because um, if detected early, any HPV-related thing is really treatable. And thank you, uh, Mrs. Papanicolo, for your service. (laughs) For your service to the greater good. All all the women out there, thank you. And to all the eight-year-olds that got stuck with some random virus. Because their dad or their uncle was crazy. Or some random stranger. We still don't know who that is. We don't know who this kid is. I mean, I could have probably looked up the story. I was just horrified (laughs) just when I watched the video. But I'm going to go look this up afterwards. So I've taken the liberty of Googling the random eight-year-old who we can just not seem to identify. And in so and many articles, he's still a random eight-year-old. They just refer to him as the, he then injected eight-year-old boy, James Phipps. So I got a name. James Phipps was this eight-year-old boy. And it's a different name to the researcher. Different name to the researcher. The researcher was Edward Jenner. And... um I then wow, found the Chris Jenner family is industrious. Oh, I'll give them that. I wonder if, yeah, from all the way back, they're all connected. Um, I finally did a deep dive and I found an article on James Phipps, and it doesn't quite explain it, but it says James Phipps was the son of a poor landless laborer, and he was the first person to be vaccinated by Edward Jenner. And they said Jenner published the case um, of James Phipps as a success story. And there was no explanation of whether the father was paid for the experiment. Um, But they Mm. said that later on they compensated him by paying for his house and his land or something rent-free. Pretty good. But basically at the end of the article, on a depressing note, they were like, if this had failed though, he basically just would have been forgotten 
like many other victims of medical experimentation. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. it's, a bit, it's a bit sad, but yeah, it's several though. Yeah, like it's true. Random thing they tried that worked, a lot more didn't work. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to cover a little bit on coronavirus vaccine just because it's topical at the moment. Um, so I've got most of my information from Dr. Norman Swan, who's the host of CoronaCast, uh, which is a daily update updated podcast, and he does the occasional YouTube video as well, just as explainers. Um, and he's just the best. Uh, I've heard on another podcast that I love called Mamma Mia Out Loud, they talked about Corona crushes and like Dr. Norman Swan <laughs> <laughs> is on that McDreamy. list just because uh, he's McDreamy of Corona. Like he's just the guide. He's the voice of just reason and rationality and, mm. but also information. Like he's just the best and he's got a Scottish accent. So he's just, you know, he's all around. Hurt. Does not hurt. All, all round beautiful. Um, and essentially uh, they are, it is tricky to find vaccines uh, that work well for respiratory viruses is what he said. Um, currently there's about 60 different ones that are being tested and they think it's still maybe 12 to 18 months away at this point. So does that mean does that mean we're staying home for 12 to 18 months? <laughs> uh, God, I hope not. I mean, I'm living my best life at the moment, um, you know, <laughs> not having to feel FOMO for not going to events and staying home and watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to not have to stay home for 12 to 18 months. <laughs> Hopefully mm-hmm. it just dies out. This brings me to my next point. All right, so um, SARS and MERS. So they're both uh, very similar respiratory viruses that have was MERS called something else? Like I've never heard of MERS. It like, was SARS less was obviously big. Yeah, it was less talked about. Uh, it was a middle. It uh, originated in the Middle East. I can't. I don't have a note on when it was when it happened. But um, basically, they struggled with vaccines for both of these uh, viruses, and they didn't actually achieve one. So essentially, the reason that they never got a vaccine is not because it's necessarily impossible because it disappeared, it disappeared in 2003. So there was not the urgency nor the money to actually pour into trying to achieve a vaccine because the virus died out. And so with with COVID, there's obviously the urgency, there's obviously the funds, you know, it's all anybody is putting their energy into and, you know, for good reason. So yeah, that's, that's SARS and MERS and COVID. So I think the last thing we're going to do is bust some myths. So Miranda, hit me with some myths and I am going to debunk them. Fabulous. So I think this is going to be a favourite among the anti-vaxxers myths. Do vaccinations cause autism? No. So there's no evidence vaccines cause autism. The reason that rumour started was a study in 1997, which said that they did, but that paper has been completely discredited because it had serious procedural errors and ethical violations. And there's been multiple, multiple studies on it since that have proved there's no correlation. But I think the thing that's really sad about People yeah. panicking, do vaccines cause autism? It's like you're so scared of neurodiversity that you would rather like yeah. risk lives. 
And getting smallpox, like like giving that to your kid. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas like neurodiversity is actually a good thing and there's lots of careers where having autism is actually a benefit. So careers like coding um, and app development, people with autism actually perform better in those roles because you need a high tolerance for doing repetitive things without losing your attention and having really strong attention to detail and all things like that. That's a good point. All right, next myth. Debunked. Busted. Debunked. Busted. Um, So next one, when I get injected with the vaccine, does it actually give me the virus and do will I get sick? No, it's not giving you the virus. When you do get symptoms like cold and flu symptoms, it's the body's immune response to the vaccine not to the virus mm-hmm. itself, even if it does mimic the symptoms of the virus. So it's a misconception that you get injected with a little bit of virus and then mm-hmm. you learn to fight it off. There's no live uh, virus in any vaccines. And in the whole of history with millions and millions of vaccines, there's only been one recorded case where a vaccine did cause a disease. Wow. And um, that was a polio case but that vaccine has not been used for years um since that case and that was a very very rare vaccines are very very safe yeah oh busted absolutely busted (laughs) all right i feel smart enough let's get on to some trash yep time for trash time for trash And now for our inaugural trash episode. We are going to be talking about Netflix's seven-part doco series, The Tiger King. This documentary is about Joseph Maldonado Passage, the owner of an Oklahoma wildlife park, which mainly has big cats. He has described himself as a gun-toting, polygamous, gay, redneck, singer, and tiger owner with a mullet. (laughs) (laughs) a pretty apt description i have to say (laughs) i love that it was his own description (laughs) exactly and he also self-describes himself as the tiger king Mm -hmm. so joe is currently serving a 22 year sentence in prison but we'll get to that and he looks exactly like the david spade character joe dirt (laughs) have you seen joe dirt I actually haven't, but I've definitely seen the VHS and DVD cover when I used to go to the video yes, store yes. <laughs> like a million it's times a and it looks exactly yeah. like Joe Exotic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And they're actually talking to David Spade about like playing him in a movie because he just looks so much like him. Oh, yes. Give it to us, David Spade. That would be heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so basically his tiger park is pretty dodgy. He breeds tiger cubs. Um, and separates them from their mums as soon as they're born and hand weeds them and it's really sad because that's how they have to be good pets and it's like, well, maybe take a hint, they're not supposed to be pets Mm. and he makes his money out of breeding them, selling them and taking photos with the cubs. Um, But it's also just like a generally dodgy like zoo. So he has 179 big cats and to save money on feeding them, he dumps the dives for meat at Walmart but he opens a pizzeria at the zoo and he serves the customers dumpster meat on the pizzas. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> this man has zero shame. 
He's got zero shame and such high self-esteem. Like, yes. Like, <laughs> how? Just how? <laughs> um, he twice unsuccessfully ran for office. First, for the President of the United States in 2016. <laughs> it's good about that. As an independent. And then for the Governor of Oklahoma in 2018 as a libertarian. And he got a total of 962 votes across those two campaigns. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his campaign manager for his libertarian campaign described him as Donald Trump on meth. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty accurate, to be honest, because both have, wow. like, delusions of grandeur, overinflated egos, and they yeah. both don't really have political beliefs. They just want to be in charge and be famous. They also both kind of have mullets. Both a bit orange. Both a little bit orange, yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. But he's he just like thinks he's the star of the world. He thinks that people don't just come to his zoo to see tigers. He thinks they come to see him. In his court case for his murder charge, which I mentioned, he introduced him to the jury. I am Joseph Maldano Passage and I am the reason you are all here. Like he <laughs> oh, but wow. also he is an entertainer. Like I'll give him that. Mm. Whether we're laughing with him or at him, mm-hmm. like he does have something going for him. It's weird because now he's got what he's always wanted, which is to be famous. Notoriety, fame, yeah. <laughs> he's succeeded. So his the other main character in Tiger King is his arch nemesis called <laughs> Carol Baskin, and she's known <laughs> for her phrase, hello, all you cool cats and kittens, because she runs <laughs> a tiger park and she is a bizarre character. She's extremely eccentric and, uh, you know, she sort of floats around and sort of talks in um, cliches and she wears a flower crown at all times and, you know, but she does have a big cat rescue sanctuary where she claims that she rescues cats. So ones that have previously been in places like at Joe Exotic's uh, animal what do you want to call it, farm, zoo, exotic animal zoo. Um, And she rescues them from places like that or from being killed for fur and things like that. But there's a lot of controversy around that, which I will get to. Carol has an interesting backstory. I mean, she's an interesting character, but she grew up very poor. She grew up in a fundamental Christian family. And she mentions early on in the documentary, I don't know if you remember this, but she said that she was gang raped at knife point at 14. And yeah, and, you know, and then she got married at 17 to an abusive husband. And her family basically kicked her out after she was raped, like they blamed her for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So horrible, horrible upbringing. Um, She then met Don Lewis, who, who was eventually to become her her next husband when she was 20 so she was 20 she was having a fight with her first husband that she married at 17 
And they were having an argument. She mentions throwing. She had to throw a potato and leave the house. And she Is was that just, in the doco? That's in the doco. <laughs> I miss that. That's, yes. That's something. Okay. <laughs> a key hilarious piece of information. Um, so she throws a potato. She runs out of the house and she paces around the streets and because she, she's upset and like she's just. Like a tiger. Like a tiger, as she says, she she deals with her problems much like a cat, you know, just pacing backwards and forwards. And. Then, I don't know how since the documentary has come out that, I mean, there's been a lot of crazy shit in this documentary, but this story was not comment on nearly enough since the since the hype of Tiger King. I don't even know what you're about to say is how much I don't exactly. remember what you're about and to say. I find yeah. it absolutely bizarre. So Don Lewis drives up in his car and he stops and asks her to get in and she's like, no. And then he drives off and he circles. Oh, this Yeah. Yes. And then he does a circle of her. So you can imagine this crying woman who's been in an abusive relationship, like pacing the being streets. Raped. Being getting raped. circled in a car. Just getting circled by a stranger in a car. And then he circles her again and he says, come on, like I just want someone to talk to. And then she says no again. And then he comes over again like the third or fourth time and he says, he's like, I've got a gun in my passenger seat. You can hold the gun to my head. I, you can get in. I won't hurt you. I just want someone to talk to. And yeah, so she and gets she in the, the car, holding the gun. Yeah, holding the gun to his head, and they were just chatting. Now, yeah, I wouldn't call that a Hollywood romance. <laughs> but no. what they describe it as in the film is obviously bizarre. But it's just it's brushed past so quickly. I guess because there's again so much going on, and she. She she's holding the gun to the, this guy's head, and they have this sort of Bonnie and Clyde esque uh, way that they've handled it in the documentary. But that is terrifying. I mean, for somebody to do mm-hmm. that at, mm-hmm. for starters, and then for Carol to be in that state to actually accept that she didn't seem to be worried about it or anything. She seemed to quite uh, take a little bit of pride in it or think it was a very interesting meet cute. Either way, they fell in love. They he left his wife and his children who appear in the documentary as well as having been, uh, you know, obviously very upset by that situation. Don was worth a lot of money. He was a very rich man. When Now this is a part of the co- controversy around Carol is she, she and Don actually started out buying animals and, mm. for, and actually uh, raising them in captivity and just being a part of that process that she now fights against um that video was really creepy wasn't it of her being like as you can see we have to take them away when they're a little baby and they're so happy in her like little voice that is like really creepy it's just the most bizarre um thing you know and she is doing the same thing now except that she's doing it under the guise that she is you know, rescuing cats. So anyway, that's yeah. that's a huge reason why Joe Exotic has taken massive, massive issue with her and basically saying that she's a master marketer because she is still keeping animals in cages and she is still, um, you know, she started out doing this, which was buying animals. And then I suppose Carol explains that she learnt that uh, she didn't. Exactly. Like that's those what things I was going to say. Don't people, people have an change. opportunity to grow and learn and we, shouldn't, we should embrace that. 
And people do. And I think that it also needs to be said that animals who have grown up in captivity often have to, you know, you can't just release them out into the wild. And a lot of people don't necessarily understand that concept. But, you you know, if you rescue a a big tiger that's been raised in captivity, it would die in the wild because it wouldn't know how to hunt for itself. You know, it wouldn't have a pack or anything like that. Mm. So having said that, they still live in very small cages. You know, there's wildlife zoos that have huge mount, you know, mountainous uh, sort of areas where they can still roam, even if they are technically in captivity. And Carol does not do that. You know, they are in cages and she's worth millions. You know, let's not forget that she is worth a lot of money. So if she wanted to have some more land, she could. Something else you haven't mentioned about Carol yeah. is her wardrobe and her house. Oh, so I forgot to mention her leopard print. <laughs> she wears leopard Everything. print. Everything. Everything. There Except is... also flower crowns. Her flower crowns aren't leopard print. It's such a niche look. <laughs> it's so niche. And she just looks like she just believes that she's uh, – I'm pretty sure her current husband, who's her third husband – uh, says she's the Mother Teresa of cats, and yeah. she truly believes that. <laughs> she truly believes that. And I that. feel like he said it kind of tongue-in-cheek, and she was like, oh, because I actually love her husband. Yeah, he is beautiful, I love actually. Him. Yeah. He's so supportive and beautiful, and he just he seems is. really sensible and supportive. Yes. Um, can we talk about their wedding photos? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you, go. you take this so it's on the beach she's wearing her signature flower crown and a white dress not leopard print and he i thought he was dressed as fred flintstone he's wearing like leopard print <laughs> and they got their photos but in the last photo he's squatting on the ground and she's got a chain around his neck and she's walking him and that's when i realized she made him dress as a tiger for their wedding <laughs> but like I just love that he is like look this is important to you okay like he's just so supportive he like 100% adores Carol and out of all of the people in this documentary he is 100% the most sane of all of them agree (laughs) so like he's a welcome relief to all the crazy (laughs) and he wears like you know, a plain shirt and jeans, you know, or like pants, you know, with a pleat. Yeah. You know, he's just, he just like a real like sensible normal, guy. Yeah, sensible, mature vocabulary. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. All of the above. All of the above. One other thing that yes. you didn't mention yes. is everything in Carol's house, all her leopard print furniture, everything <laughs> yes. is wood or marble, no soft services because she's actually allergic to cats. Yeah, that is <laughs> so hilarious. And I'm like- surprised <laughs> that she has not sneezed once in this documentary. Like how is she, if she's allergic to cats and she's in the enclosures and she's constantly yeah. around them, you know, I think it probably just says how much she doesn't necessarily interact with them. And she's the figurehead. She's going to Congress. She's, you know, doing She is doing stuff. And, you know, as a in a political sense, you know, that's that's great. Regardless of whether she's questionable, uh, that work is good. She's doing some good work, but, you know, she's got very questionable credentials, uh, including but not limited to the fact that 
there's a massive conspiracy that she mm. killed her husband. Uh, it's not even really a conspiracy. It's just a theory um, because she was a prime suspect uh, at the time of the investigation. It's a pretty big deal because you just think she's this Mother Teresa of cats or she at least she thinks she is, you know. Mm. And then she's connected to this plot um, and basically they are saying that Don wanted to divorce her. They were very unhappy uh, and essentially I think he put in an application for a, a restraining order against Carol mm. and all of this stuff and basically Joe Exotic, in addition, you know, in addition to others, made it made it look like she's absolutely nuts and she wanted to keep all of the money. So what she did was uh, he just one day disappeared. So I think they had an argument or something and he left the house and he just one day disappeared, never to be returned, never to return. And the most plausible theory in this documentary, according to Joe Exotic and, and many others, may I say, is that Carol killed her husband and fed him to her tigers. <laughs> oh. Um, I mean, not a lot of people have access to giant exotic cats that can eat a human, and she does. Yeah. So th- there is some credit to that theory. But I have to say that um, this sparked uh, Joe Exotic, what a, what a, <laughs> my personal favourite, his music video <laughs> that he made, <laughs> making fun of Carol. Um, and you touched on his music career earlier mm. in the piece, but it does have to be said that he made video clips. Like these are sort of big, really, really, really tacky videos um, with a country and did singer. did you know that he's actually not singing? I mean, it's so obvious that he's not singing, but I was like, who on earth would sing this stuff? And like, Do you know how it happened? No, I don't. So he told country artists that he wanted songs to go on his reality TV show, like as background music, and then he lip-sunk and re-released it all as his own stuff. And at the start of the music video here, Kitty Kitty, it says, oh my Joe God. Exotic, country and western singer. And it's like, oh. if you actually are a singer, you don't need to introduce that. Like, that's just obvious. But, yeah, no, those artists are really pissed off about it. I was going to say, surely they would have. Surely they would have every scope to sue him. I suppose before this documentary was made, it wasn't worth their time or money to sue him. But now, now that Netflix mm. is involved and they're displaying and, Here you Kitty know. Kitty Kitty is, like, going off. So I, okay, so let's let's focus on Here Kitty Kitty. When I went on YouTube to watch it this afternoon, it was at 5,707,000 views. So that's huge. I mean, it's a really tacky song and I'm sure it probably had far less, you know, probably specifically 5 million less than before this documentary (laughs) came out. But, you know, it's obviously hit the roof and it is hilarious. But another actual plausible excuse, not excuse, reason that he disappeared is that he did actually, he was a pilot and he did fly planes and he lost his pilot's license. Yeah, so he was unregistered. He would just fly unregistered all the time, you know, and he'd fly to Costa Rica, he'd fly fly to all these places. And um, she basically said he would never have registered his flight. You know, part of the conspiracy that, you know, documented in in the series is, you know, oh, but there was no flight, you know, so how could he have ever flown a plane? It's like, well, he flew illegally all the time. So if he did have a crash, then it, you know, could definitely have never been picked up. I mean, we lost MH17. So, yeah. 
if we can lose a plane that big, then we can certainly MH lose. Oh, MH yeah. MH out of the sky. Oh, that's right. MH370. We lost that one. So if we can lose that, we can certainly lose Don Lewis. Like, we can certainly we can certainly lose him. That is definitely a big storyline, but it's not the strangest thing that happens in the show. Yeah. Basically, you've got these two big characters and they're antagonizing each other. They're kind of harassing each other. Carol's trying to expose his animal cruelty and he is trying to humiliate her, making video clips, sending her horrible messages. Yep. And they're both, she's suing him. And he's basically telling everyone who'll listen, like, I hate that bitch, Carol Baskin. Mm. I wish she was dead. Yeah. And so basically the next big drama of the doco and the eventual culmination of the doco is that he basically organises for someone to murder her. Yeah. Because um, eventually, long story short, he gets put away for, what, 22 years? Yep. Yeah. It's he, He's still in prison. And, you know, since this documentary's come out, he's... He's all famous and he's he's content with it, you know, like pretty much anything to get him famous he's he's pretty on board with. There's also another bunch of characters in the documentary. I suppose we don't have time to go into all of them, but there was one person who I thought was worth mentioning uh, who is Saf. Um, the plot line in this, you know, Saf actually enjoyed the park, liked Joe, uh, was a very dedicated employee and in a tragic accident got, uh, his arm bitten off by a tiger and no I think it wasn't completely severed because wasn't completely he severed he could have written his name but it just really hurt and then years of reconstructive surgery and he just said cut it off you know just mm-hmm. they're made of tough stuff these people there's another guy in the film who has no legs you know and that's not from a tiger accident it's just coincidence yeah and the moment Seth gets injured is the very meme worthy line from Joe I will never financially recover from this. Yes, yes. Which you've probably seen the memes about. Yes, yes. And um, there is also discussion about how he was able to make the time to put on an EMT jacket or whatever, like an ambulance jacket. It's like, can you even wear it? Yeah, it's like when he was um, first attended to SAF, um, Oh my god! He puts a bandage around his arm, but then in the next scene, he's like wearing a jacket, and there's all these memes about how did you have time when someone's like, you know, hundred percent, he would have been had like- their arm bitten off. But actually, I watched, I rewatched the episode today where that happens, and um, it was an hour later because what he says to everybody in the shop is, an hour ago, an employee had their arm bitten off by a tiger. You can all go home. Yeah. Uh, so it actually was an hour later, and he put on his like. I'm in an emergency mode jacket, which is hilarious, but he, he would have had time. And in that first scene, he wasn't actually wearing it. So okay. slightly slightly unfair PR for, for Joe. Oh, there you go, in Joe's defence. In I Joe's defence. I also wouldn't put it past Joe to, like, push the St. John's ambulance staff out of the way and be like, bring the cameras back. <laughs> and he'd be like, I saved the day, everyone. Um, I guess the takeaways from this, you know, I mean, The saddest thing I thought was at the very end of the episode where they don't focus on in the documentary, but these two beautiful apes who were caged in Joe's zoo who were taken to another Mm -hmm. sanctuary and they both, there's footage of them being released out of their cages and they've been sitting side by side in Joe's 
zoo for oh, like 10 years or something like heartbreaking like that and they both get out of the cages in this new wildlife sanctuary in their new forever home and they run over to each other and they just hug mm. each other and it, I just was bawling like a little child like it was just so absolutely upsetting and you know the the footage of the the fingers through the cages and you know these poor cubs being bred taken away from their mothers and also um, then being killed at the end of it euthanized when they're no longer cute and cuddly and there's too many big tigers and and they're too expensive to to feed you know that was really it's a horrible practice but you know it has raised awareness on that um I think that despite those themes you can still enjoy this documentary and I thoroughly enjoyed it so I guess for me my takeaway is that while it appears to be a documentary about like crazy showbiz reality tv tiger man at the heart of it I think it's actually a story about violence and harassment against women yeah so Carol talks about being raped by the three-man at gunpoint, like you talked about, and not being supported by her family. She's harassed for years by Joe. He physically intimidates her. He flies over her property in a helicopter circling her property. He looks up maps of her house and he looks up where she rides her bike and sees where he could hide to kill her. He sends her snakes in the mail. Yeah, that was... He has, yeah, terrifying he has a blow-up doll with the carol name tag that he sticks dildos in its mouth and he shoots its head off on a video and says he'll do that to her he repeatedly humiliates her making like those videos and encourages others to harass and humiliate her and i think that's the part about it that netflix has really done her a disservice because they've really like let joe off the hook for his misogyny And there's also a lot of memes about it that are like, oh, Carol tried to make a doco about like saving the animals and now everyone thinks she killed her husband. And like there's this whole like, you know, let's all pile on Carol. Mm. It was not a flattering portrayal of Carol, but I think Carol is the victim of this story. And, I mean, she is. She's the victim of the 22-year-old prison sentence for him Mm. trying to kill her. But I think like throughout the documentary, yeah, there's some – pretty serious themes of yeah sexism and misogyny as well definitely wow what a ride I mean (laughs) if you haven't seen Tiger King good luck now because we've done a pretty serious deep dive on this but it's so entertaining fact check us maybe we got something wrong uh tell us if you think it was awesome as well well I think that's time for hero of the week Welcome to Hero of the Week, where we will bring you one hero each, someone who's sort of caught our attention for reasons uh, for being awesome, funny, or just being a general legend. So my Hero of the Week is Narita Ross, and she is from an Australian bookstore, and she is cycling around on her bicycle, getting her daily exercise, and also dropping off books to customers stuck in their house. She's from Glee Books and they're spreading the love and making sure people have coloring books and activity books. And a quote from her, I think there's a lot of anxiety with coronavirus. People are pretty uncertain and they're just really grateful to get things 
still be able to access things that give them joy without needing to leave the house and reading is a way for people to travel when they're stuck in their house. So I just thought that's pretty sweet. Oh, that's really sweet. (laughs) Uh, Mine's also (laughs) a very cute story. Um, It is the staff who run the Turtle Rehabilitation Centre, particularly marine biologist Liam Turner, who has taken care of a green sea turtle called Yoda. (laughs) Yoda was taken to, I don't know how to pronounce this, but Quinn Island maybe, Q-U-O-I-N Island, weighing 87 kilograms, which apparently is very underweight. And so... Um, They said, there's this really cute quote where they said, since she started to get a bit healthier, she started to get a little less touchy-feely with us, which is a good sign that she's sick of her pool life and she wants to go back to the wild. (laughs) That is really cute. And um, apparently like, throw back to our Tiger King episode, but you want them to not want or need human interaction. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And um, so she packed on 30 kilos in five months and she's now in the wild. And it was a very big deal for the staff as this was one of their biggest turtles to be released back into the wild. And yeah, it's just all round super cute and heartwarming. Very different to Tiger King. Cute. A good antidote for what you've just heard with Tiger King. Some <laughs> exactly. nice animal content. We like to have a balanced, a balanced sort of podcast. <laughs> so I think that's time for our country news so every week we're also going to profile a new story each from rural and regional australia so one half of our podcast is from regional victoria so it's important to us to make sure we're not forgetting about our awesome rural and regional stories so miranda what have you cooked up for us this week I've got an awesome one this week. Um, it's from in the Northern Territory, uh, where a popular country roadhouse called Dunmara Wayside Inn, which is located 315 kilometres south of Catherine and is owned by a man named Gary Frost. Gary has taken to the sky to fly, yes, fly, to surrounding cattle stations in lockdown to deliver them pizza and beer because they're all in lockdown and he wants to keep their spirits up. (laughs) That is so awesome. It's so cute. Um, And this would be such a first for these cattle station farmers. If anyone doesn't know, they're so far away from anywhere. Like that's why he has to fly a helicopter or Mm. a mini plane to go and deliver things to them because they just, they have to drive for half a day sometimes to get to their nearest shop. You know, it's just, it's really, really isolated. Um, And they're already limited in how they can get their supplies. So, you know, isolation is definitely affecting them a lot too. Um, And Gary says that the cost would be way too high if he did this regularly, but that's not why he's doing it. He's doing it because it's a friendly gesture in these tough times and particularly for particularly isolated people. That's beautiful. He could have been your hero of the week. He is my hero of the week for sure, but also I would have <laughs> I had too many too many heroes of the week, so I thought he's perfect for my country segment. He's a dumb webby. He's perfect. Absolutely. What a legend. He's such Australian a legend. Australian hero. That's so Australian and as well. You know what else he said that's also quintessentially Australian? <laughs> he said <laughs> 
He was also willing to throw in a few extra toilet rolls in the back if they need. Oh, <laughs> what a trooper and a legend. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for your thank you for your service. Love him. So my country story is father of three, Ty Fullwood, who's a farmer in West Australia's wheat belt. And he has three daughters. And one day he was unpacking his work bag and his oldest daughter said, can she share his work clothes? And he was like, awesome. When you get older, you're going to help daddy and are you going to be a farmer? And she said, no, daddy, I can't be a farmer because I'm a girl, not a boy. And so he went to Twitter and he was like, can any farming women please help me convince my daughter that like girls can be farmers and all these farmers across Australia sent in these awesome videos of themselves riding on tractors. One person wrote, they have a female farmer emoji, so it must be true. And just like (laughs) showing women can operate heavy machinery and farming is a gender neutral career. Oh, that is so gorgeous. Yeah, what a good dad. Oh, I can't wait to go and um, stalk that Twitter feed. Yeah. That, where they've posted all these awesome pictures. Where can I find that? Um, Ty Fullwood was his name, T-Y, and his surname is F-U-L-W-O-O-D. I can't see a hashtag. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to track him down. All right. Let's get on to our recommendations. So our first recommendation segment. Um, So the first recommendation from me is pretty, uh, you know, ISO related (laughs) because online exercise classes have just exploded and there is some really cool stuff happening. Um, My uh, circus dance studio in Bendigo called ZFit has started online classes and it's basically you log into the computer and you then join a conference. And so you set yourself up in your lounge room and you do the exercise while you can sort of see other people in mini boxes on the screen. Um, and it's a little clunky, but it's so fun. It's great to still stay connected with everybody and, you know, get a good workout in. And it's so convenient. Like, so convenient. Save so much time. Like, I don't know how we're ever going to return to commuting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also, um, I believe your recommendation might be a little similar to mine, Grace. Yes, I'm going to recommend in a similar vein, Mixtape Studio, which is a studio in Thornbury that's also running a whole class of online classes. There's something for everyone. So on the topic of having no commute, there's a class after work and it starts at five o'clock on the dot and it's perfect. And so it means you can get your exercise done by six and then you can get your protein hit perfectly at dinner time without having to have dinner at like eight o'clock like you would exactly. normally to do a normal Also, we do need to explain that the name of the class that basically you and I do together is called Quarantone. Quarantone. <laughs> which is fantastic it's so much fun Annabella is a friend of ours that we've known from Melbourne but she's just you know she's gone so far she's opened her own studio she's just absolutely killing it in this online realm and it works so well for 80s um it's not just 80s there is other types of classes but it's definitely the main shtick and yes there's lots of different types of dancing and stretching and she's also got a 50 minute kids club which is especially designed for kids. It's on at 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. So 
particularly for parents who have their kids at home remote learning and want to make sure their kids are still getting up and about, definitely tune in to Mixtape Studio for the Kids Club as well. Oh, also related to this, um, my dad was speaking to me about, um, because he goes, he's a musician, so he does some gypsy jazz jams. Cool. And so in quarantine, he's found something online called Jazz Kazam. And basically it's where people from different places log on. And all jam. They all jam together That's via so cool. an audio platform called Jazz Kazam. And so he was jamming with people. My dad is an absolute hermit crab. And, you know, he's, <laughs> ja- he's jamming with people in Portugal, in Spain, and, like, just what an awesome way to bring people together. That is like, really cool. Not just in quarantine, but in general. Like, that's just so cool. So cool. So my second recommendation this week is another documentary on Netflix. Uh, So if you enjoyed Tiger King or if you haven't seen it, there's another three-part documentary called Don't F*** With Cats. Oh, I've seen it. It It's really good. It's so good. It's a gripping uh, Netflix series that documents internet sleuths who sort of, they find, they see these videos that are disturbing about um, this guy who uh, tortures cats. Mm, you must have found that very hard to watch. It was so horrible. I didn't watch most of it. Every time they said something like, this is the worst video I've seen, I just couldn't watch them. Yeah, and look, uh, you can turn away. Um, I did, certainly. And then, you know, the rest of the documentary is incredibly interesting and gripping. Like, you cannot, you need to find out what happens. Is it basically internet, follows- like, internet detectives on a big Facebook group, like, solving yes. crimes. It's so and awesome. They- Try and contact the police. Like they are just because the police don't necessarily have all the time in the world to do all of this um, internet hunting, but they just knew he was bad news and they wanted to find him. And so the story of how all these people online who were just so smart, internet internet savvy sleuths, try and locate this person and just what happens next is incredible. So just watch it. Yeah, I endorse that recommendation. Yeah. I found it really gripping as well. Awesome. I think I watched it all in one go. Yeah, so good. What's yours, Grace? Mine is um, a new internet platform that my sister's partner has developed. It's been developed by a bunch of volunteers and it's called carrythroughcovid.com. And basically Aww. it's a platform for supporting small businesses through COVID-19, enabling them to sort of put out what their businesses are doing with different offerings and sort of connect people that want to support COVID-19, you know, affected businesses with this platform, all completely um, run by a team of volunteer web developers. So it's very sleek, beautiful platform. And yeah, good one, Steve. That's awesome. Good on him. (laughs) So what a good idea. Yeah. So if you're a small business owner, go on and put your business on there, carrythroughcovid.com. What a great idea. Can't wait to go check it out. So I think that's our first episode. I think we made a podcast. That's it. We made a podcast, babe. We did it. Awesome. Well, see you next week. See you next week, everyone. Please note that the views expressed within this podcast are our own and we are not experts. We have done some serious Googling and even some serious internet deep dives, but we are by no means qualified. If you need actual advice, please speak to a licensed professional. We can even help you Google one.